This is the Sacred Birth Circle, and today's episode is one of our hallmark topics, fetal movement. We need you to understand the importance of kick counting and how to do it properly, so please make sure to share this with everyone you know on social media. Our guests will be debunking many of the dangerous misconceptions surrounding fetal movement, so let's get started. Welcome to the Sacred Birth Circle. I'm Anna Vick. Thank you for joining us again today. This is one of my favorite topics to discuss, which is going to be about kick counting, knowing you're normal, being aware of any changes as far as the movement of your baby in your womb, because that is their way of communicating with you. And unfortunately, so many families have had a loss because this wasn't discussed thoroughly enough in their pregnancy. So I'm bringing on two of the masters of the topic, uh, one from Count the Kicks, which is a U.S.-based organization, and the other from Kicks Count UK, which of course from the UK, so we can provide you with all the necessary information to bring your baby home safely. This is a really powerful tool, so please tune in, share this episode, go ahead and share it now if you're listening live, and we'll go ahead and have some introductions first. Let's go with Erica. Hi, my name is Erica, and I'm one of the Count the Kicks ambassadors from the state of Missouri. And um, as an ambassador, I'm just a volunteer. Um, Many of us are moms and we're just passionate about spreading this education because it really does save lives. And the reason it's so important to me is because I didn't know about it in my first pregnancy and my son's movements changed in the last weeks, but because I was um, not educated, I never told my provider and my son ended up um, dying just days before his due date. And his name is Roan. So I do this for Roan. And um, yeah, it's so important. And I used Count the Kicks with my second baby and ended up saving his life at 36 weeks because he slowed down and he was in distress. So um, I'm just very passionate about this life-saving message. Thank you, Erica. And thank you for honoring Roan with such important work. And I'm also honoring my son, Owen, as well, who also was born still, almost uh, 32 weeks of a perfect, healthy pregnancy. I was not aware also about kick counting. I actually had read about it, had a child before, but no one had emphasized how important it is and what it can actually do. Why are we even doing it? Um, And all the misinformation online as well, which we'll get into a little bit later, a project we're working on as a team here. Uh, Very, very important project because unfortunately, if you're Googling you know, you're a little concerned at night and you run across a website with misinformation, then that could be what leads you to, you know, prolong your stay at home when you really need to be going in because there is a lot of misconceptions about movement. So we'll talk about that more, but uh, Elizabeth, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hutton. I run Kicks Count here in the UK. And Again, like you've said, it was all about raising awareness of babies' movements and trying to emphasize how important the babies' movements were. We've been going for 11 years now, um, and the stillbirth rate in the UK has been coming down slowly, but obviously we still have a lot more that we need to do. Um, But yeah, I really love doing these collaboration projects and things where we can share advice, share wisdom, and really get the message to everybody. Thank you so much. That's a long time. And I think um, Count the Kicks is celebrating on Facebook and you can hear from the founding moms who started Healthy Birthday. Yeah, so it's ongoing. You know, there are groups that are doing great work in this. And so part of the education is getting providers to give the proper information to the patients. And as both Erica and myself mentioned, we were not educated by our providers 
about it. Um, so we want to just kind of go through what you should know and what we wish we were told and what providers, some are actually doing this now with some protocols in the UK, but in our country, there aren't any existing protocols yet as far as how to educate on fetal movements and how to prevent stillbirth, which we are one of the highest of all developed nations. So it's really shameful that we don't have an actual plan here yet, but you know, individually we're trying to educate on the internet and social media. And of course, uh, Count the Kicks program goes through hospitals trying to get their program there. So do you guys wanna share a little bit about what you think providers need to know? I wanna make sure that, you know, when a patient comes in and says, I think there's a change in movement that they're going to actually respond properly. So I kind of want to start with that this time, because sometimes I feel like we talk about what the mom should be doing and we put so much pressure on the parent where, you know, the provider also has their role. So does anyone want to jump in with that question? Well, I know here in the UK, that's something that has been kind of done is making sure that there is a set care pathway when you report reduced movements or a change in movements so I think that's something that um, could definitely be done more over in America that to get that um, consistency and so that I mean obviously here you still do get some people some midwives or uh, medical professionals who maybe don't follow the correct pathway but there is a kind of set pathway and a protocol that they should be following um so yeah it's very important and it needs to be across the board as well but providers i think need to be aware of the importance and of the understanding the bedside manner i guess of how to um, help people who come in with the reduced movements and not to just dismiss them or make them feel like they're being silly it's all about still instilling that confidence in the mother even for the care providers to do that I think in over here um I would tell providers the reason that babies movements matter so much is because it is sometimes an early warning sign and sometimes the only warning sign that a baby is in distress and every time that they see a pregnant patient in the third trimester, they should be bringing this up. It should be part of the conversation every time they see the, the pregnant person. And they should ask open-ended questions. Don't ask something like, is your baby moving? Because that's really confusing and that doesn't really get to how. So ask open-ended questions. Tell me about your baby's movements. Can you show me um, your Count the Kicks app if they're using it or their paper? Um, you know, what times of day is your baby, or, you know, getting more of an answer than just yes or no. My provider always asks me, is your baby moving? And I would say, well, yeah. So I was never really concerned when he slowed down. So that's a mistake. Um, and to make sure that the provider is really like, listening um, to what the patient is saying because a lot of, you know, our intuition is strong. And a lot of times we doubt ourselves, especially as first time moms. So it's so important that providers are really listening and ask if the patient feels reassured after they do all the testing that they're doing to investigate, um, you know, mom's concerns. And if mom does not feel reassured, please don't send her home. Um, because uh, we want the mom pregnant person to feel confident that they're making the right decision. I love those points. 
And so now that we talked a little bit about what providers can do on their end, let's talk about how you should properly kick count. So there is a lot of misinformation on how to do this. And also there is a little bit of difference in how the UK talks about it and the US, which I find very interesting. And, you know, I really do want both options presented because one might work better for one parent than another. One might understand it that way better. I actually just started to learn about the way that UK does it, the Kicks Count UK method. And I actually really love it because especially as a second time uh, parent after loss, I was really concerned with movements the entire day. So I like the way that you guys explain it. So let's let both of you give a little bit of a spiel. How should parents kick counts? And whoever wants to go first is fine. I'll go first. So um, in the United States, Count the Kicks, um, our Hallmark tool is our free app. And this is what it looks like. Um, and you can download it for free in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. So it's available on, you know, whichever, whatever device you have, you can use it on a smartphone. But the way it works is that at least once a day, in the same time every day, you would do a kick counting session. So you would pull out your app and pr preferably it would be when your baby's most active. So a lot for a lot of people that's in the evening and you would just tap the foot every time you feel a kick and then you would see the timer start. And then you would tap every movement and a kick could be, you know, a roll, jab, punch, swish, anything besides a hiccup because hiccups are involuntary. Um, so when you feel your baby move, that would be a kick. And then it's gonna time how long that set, how long it takes your baby to reach 10 different movements. And after a few days, you're gonna see what's normal for your baby. And also at the end of every session, it's gonna ask you to rate the strength of your baby's movements on a scale of one to five. And one would be like fluttery, those light movements, kind of like the beginning of um, when you start to feel movements that feel like the butterflies. And five would be fierce, like your baby's wanting to like kick out of your womb and be really strong because research has shown that a change in the strength in baby's movements can also be a sign of distress. So between the amount of time it's taking your baby to get to 10 and the way those movements feel, you'll be able to see a pattern and it's going to show you like what is um, the trend for your baby. How long is your baby's average and how long is it taking? Same with the strength. So when you start to see a change, like it's starting to take longer or the strength is changing and it's starting to feel weaker, um, those would be signs that you need to go in and get checked. And um, like I said, you can use it once a day. That's the bare minimum. Um, when I used it, I used it all day long. <laughs> so um, it's just, you know, what, what works for you and you, can set a, a re reminder. So if you're busy or you have other live kids you're taking care of, it's gonna prompt you, hey, you need to count your kicks right now or whatever time you set it. You can use it on twin pregnancies. The app is available in 14 different languages. And if you don't have a smartphone that you have access to, we also have paper sheets that you can print off in I think six different languages right now. Um, so yeah, it's just a tool for you to learn your baby's normal because that's what it's all about. Learning what is normal for your baby. And if you feel like it's off, then 
that's a sign to go in and get checked. And this is just an extra piece of validation for you to see that, yeah, my baby is taking longer or the strength is changing. Um, these are signs to go in. And I also just want to throw in a little um, caveat that if you feel your baby's just not acting normal and it could be like a, a wild surge of movement, that's also a sign to go in and get checked. It's not always about becoming slower or weaker. It just, does this, is this your baby's normal? Um, if that changes, please go get checked. Yeah, it's so important. And a lot of people always ask me like, when should I start? And should I be doing this? And like, yeah, start as soon as you start to feel a pattern. But what we say is usually 26 weeks for high risk or 28 weeks if you're not. And of course, my caveat to that is we don't know if we're high risk until stuff starts to happen. So, you know, consider yourself whatever you want. Just do it as soon as you feel like you're starting to notice your baby's behavior, the pattern. Um, and also for me, the app is an important tool because of the thing I asked at the beginning with the doctors, because I am finding feedback from parents that have had a stillbirth that said, I spoke up, I said something feels off, but they were not listened to. And so this app giving you a graph that you can physically show your provider, like I have been paying attention. I have been doing this every day and I can tell you for a fact, there's a drop or there's this increase happening and I'm not comfortable. And so you can get much more attention. I feel like that way because you are so certain and you can have this kind of proof to show, which, you know, it might be necessary in some situations. So thank you. Yeah, for and you can also, um, X, if you're, a uh graph nerd like I am or you like data, you can export all the data from your app and send it to your provider or print it off and bring it with you to your appointment to be like, see, and it shouldn't take that. It should be enough that they just listen. But sadly, the, the state of the world we live in, people aren't listening to us. So it's just nice having that extra third party validation. And I will also add that this is not something you want to start doing when you're worried. So I feel like this is a bonding experience. Get to know your baby as you're pregnant, as you start to feel his movements. And that way you always feel confident. And if you feel the change, whatever, you don't have to sit there and start doing a kick count, which is what I read online, misinformation about kick counting. All you need is 10 kicks in two hours and your baby's fine. Well, no, you should know what is normal for your baby at that point. So don't just all of a sudden start kick counting when you're feeling off. If you're feeling off, go right in. That's more important to get checked out right away and have interventions if needed. It could be even earlier in pregnancy if you feel off because your baby's fetal movement and your body, how you feel can indicate other things like preterm labor happening or infections or you know your fluids running low. So whatever the case, go right in. So let's go with Elizabeth and how you guys could count. We just get to know what is normal for your baby. So no set number of movements you need to get to, just getting to know what's normal for your baby. Exactly the same as in America, just getting to know what is normal for your baby is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what your previous pregnancies have been like. It doesn't matter what anyone else's pregnancies are like. It's what is normal for your baby. And then if you notice any change in that, then contact your midwife or maternity unit um we do have an app here as well a kicks count app which is slightly different um to the one in america in that it's not timed it's just throughout the day when you feel a session of movement so you don't um register each individual kick it's if the baby is having a session of movement then that is what you would um look at and um we do a wristband as well so that you can 
start on zero and every yeah you've got one every time you feel a session of movement you can slide it along and that is one way to help you get to know what's normal for your baby I think the thing that goes across all of us is the message is however you do it just get to know what is normal for your baby and don't um check it against anyone else's or don't go by the internet says that you should be feeling this many just get to know what's normal for your baby and report any change and I think that is the most important thing and like Erica said there's different ways to do that and whichever one you find most helpful for you do that right and I think it's fantastic also how on the count the kicks one I don't know if you have this on yours so let me know Elizabeth but they have baby safe stories and I, I think you probably share you know experiences mm. on the page as well but I think for me, that's really helpful. And that's what I try to do with the sacred birth circle too, is highlight people's experiences of saving their baby as far as yeah. feeling the change going in and having the provider act really, you know, urgently taking it serious and, you know, checking as much as needed until they see if there really is a problem with the baby mm -hmm. delivering. And a lot of them find like, especially with movement change, it's either something to do with the fluid level or the cord situation. Um, and then there's a lot of like placenta issues. So it starts to show in the way your baby's acting. So it really does communicate to you how your baby's doing. So I just hope that everyone watching will, you know, take the time, go to both websites. I think that is so important just to read about it. And I do like how Kicks Count does this episode thing, because that to me really makes sense because we're trying to see like the personality of our baby more like than just really like the number of kicks, like that to me is getting really in the detail where you're like, oh, but there was 12, but yesterday there was 10. Like, you know, it might get a little bit rough for you to try to, you know, gather like, is this a change or not a change, you know? But it's, you know, important. Like if you wake up and your baby's sleeping, you know, still, and then you have your breakfast and you're like, oh, okay, normally my baby's having a little party when I'm having breakfast, but today they're not, you know? So I think that's important to understand. Like, when are they most active? Who do they react to? Like, if there's a, particular voice you know in your family someone talks to the baby's belly or your belly you know and you're like oh they always get a little bit crazy around you know father's voice or whatever so mm -hmm. those kind of things I think are helpful for the the pregnant person to think about as well in this whole story you know because I do think some providers say they do not recommend kick counting which to me is a little infuriating to say it that way I think they should say why then, or what else should we do instead if there's another way they want us to do it? But I have heard that. Have you guys heard a little pushback from any providers? Well, yeah, we've, yeah, we had that a lot with um, over here with, um, I think it's mainly to do, I think a lot of the times people get confused with the message that we are giving and Count the Kicks US are giving is not count to 10 kicks in two hours. That has been disproved over and over and over again. We know that is not how you're supposed to do it. That is not helpful. So we categorically want to get away from that 10 kicks in two hours myth. And I think when people hear about kicks count, count the kicks, kick counting, that's what they think of. And so they say, we don't agree with kick counting. But what they don't agree with is the count to 10 kicks in two hours, which we all don't agree on. So it's, you know, we're all saying the same thing. And I think that's what I find the most frustrating is when people say, oh, no, but we're not supposed to do that. And you kind of go, 
no, we're with that's why we exist is to get rid of that message and give you the correct information and give you the correct way to do it. So, yeah, it's very frustrating when people say, oh, no, you shouldn't count the kicks or you shouldn't do kick counting because, no, you shouldn't do 10 kicks in two hours. That's what right. you shouldn't do. So that's number one myth. So we're going to bust the myth. That's number one myth. Do not worry about the number of kicks matching up to something that you read online or asking someone, well, how many is normal? What should I be getting? Or what did your baby get? Or even asking your provider because they might actually use that old advice. So mm -hmm. number one, there is no set standard for kicks. 10 kicks in two hours is based on some old research about that is what a healthy basic minimum is for you know, a fetus to have health. Uh, if it's any less, you would want to be checking on this baby. So everyone kind of- Also with that, that, with, with yeah. all kick counting and things like this, it's all the mum's perception. So we have no idea what everyone else is counting as a movement. We can only go on what they are describing to us. So that fact that we could give everybody the same boundaries is bonkers because you can't. You, you, everyone, you don't know what they are counting it's not a objective thing that we are measuring it is trusting the, the mum and I think that again is if the mum trusts herself and has confidence in herself she's much more likely then to be able to report that. Mm -hmm. I will say that a lot of providers actually like our campaign Count the Gigs because we are an evidence-based stillbirth prevention campaign mm -hmm. and we're based on this research study in Norway that Said, you know, tracking fetal movement is a non-invasive way for expectant parents to monitor their baby's health in the third trimester. And babies can be saved when parents speak up when they notice a change. So they like it because it's easy for anybody to do. It's non-invasive. Um, you just do it at home or wherever you are. And um, research has shown that when moms and pregnant people are getting to know their babies normal, it's actually been shown to overwhelmingly reduce anxiety um, because, you know, when they get to know babies normal and they're concerned and they do a kick counting session or whatever, and they're reassured, it prevents unnecessary visits. And then also it reduces feelings of bonding between mom or the pregnant person and baby, um, which is a win-win for everyone. And this reduces um, adverse childhood experiences later in life, um, you know, when mom doesn't bond with baby. So it's just a win-win and it's ready to go and it's low cost or free depending on what state you live in. So it's really a no-brainer here. And we do have a lot of providers, um, I would say the majority who um, like it. And um, it's just a great tool for their patients to use because I think most, most people, would agree everyone wants a, a healthy birthday a good outcome for mom and baby and this is just another tool to help do that and right now um when the campaign launched in the state of iowa over 10 years we were able to reduce the stillbirth rate for the general population by um, a third and for black moms who are disproportionately affected by stillbirth they were able to reduce their rate by 39 percent so it helps reduce disparities in stillbirth um, and it, it's just an easy tool that's ready to go. So it's just a no brainer. Yeah, it's so powerful. I actually looked it up and we have 13 years we're celebrating for Count the Kicks as well. So 
Um, and also there's a Title V uh, situation. So there is a bill right now that we're trying to get stillbirth mentioned in the Title V funding. That way, that money that's already set aside for reducing uh, the infant loss in our country can be used for stillbirth programs like Count the Kicks. That way we can go through and get everyone to have the program at their hospital, not just those select states that are now being worked with. And you know they're continuously outreaching to every state, trying to explain what the program is and what it can do. And it's a very low cost way of saving lives, which I think that some people don't realize there is a cost to stillbirth. Having a baby that is born still, you still have to pay for your entire year of your medical care, which is you know, just as expensive, you have to pay for your delivery. And then you have the aftermath of a loss, which includes autopsies and all the placenta pathologies and all this additional care you're going to need uh, for yourself, for therapy, for your partner, for your ch other children. I mean, there's countless amounts of other income um, losses as well. Like I didn't go back to work. Uh, so it's a huge expensive um insurance doesn't realize that they're also helping cover this part. So everyone is committed to reducing stillbirth, I think. We just don't know how in this country, which really boggles my mind because, you know, like I said earlier, the UK has protocols and they are doing it, you know. So this is just one big part of it for me though, because it gives the parent the power they need to advocate and come in and really just speak for their child and for themselves. Um, let's go with the next myth, which is about drinking ice cold water or a juice to make your baby move. Is that okay? Nope. We say no, 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 no. Um, that if your baby isn't moving as normal, then you need to be checked out. A bit like if the baby was lying next to you on the bed and was unresponsive, you wouldn't throw cold water over them. Um, because yes, they might suddenly jerk or jump, but that doesn't mean they're well. And so it's so important when the baby is in the womb that if you are noticing the baby is not moving as normal, don't do things to try and prompt them to move because you might get an artificial reassurance or you might get, um, yes, they might do a sudden surge in response to that, but that's not their normal healthy pattern of movement. So no, we say absolutely do not do anything to prompt your baby to move and also, it can then delay you going and getting the help that you need. So, you know, if people say, oh, I'm going to go and have a bath or I'm going to lie on my side for a couple of hours or whatever it is that they're going to do, that is just time that you're not, that you're wasting when you could be being get, getting checked out. And I throw that in and I, I added it like a question, but I said it was a myth. But anyway, I'm saying this to say that providers also will tell you that that is what you should do next if you call in sometimes. So I just wanted to point it out quickly, like this is a myth. Um, I don't want you to hear anything related to juice or water that you think might be true. So make sure that you know that even if your provider says to do it, and if you're at the hospital having an NST done to check movement and the baby's not moving properly and they tell you, oh, we'll drink some juice and then we'll check or go take a walk, you should refuse that. Say, I want you to continue to monitor my baby as is and see what's going on here and do some additional mm. testing and you know, take an ultrasound machine out, look at the blood flow, whatever you feel comfortable with. Because I do know people who have had an NST that wasn't going well and they were asked to jump around, they were prodded with the thing and given juice and then, oh yeah, baby's moving now. Well, of course, 
You guys yeah. did everything you could possibly do to wake up this poor baby that was, you know, in distress. And then the next day they came in and they were told there's no more heartbeat. And that's horrible. You know, they were in the care mm -hmm. of a professional. They were being told what to do. And then their baby passed away and it shouldn't have happened. So definitely a horrible myth. Do you want to add anything with that, Erica? No, she said it perfectly. If you're concerned, don't use juice or sugar or food. Go in and get checked. So next, what about a Doppler? Should parents have one at home? I know they're not ex expensive anymore. Uh, I actually had a friend let me borrow hers, but I only used it like at the beginning stage of the pregnancy where there was no movement and I was paranoid about another loss, miscarriage and such. So I was just wanting to check, but is that a safe device for parents to be using for their pregnancy? Okay. Um, if you are concerned about your baby's movement, please do not use a Doppler because a baby is going to have a heart rate until it doesn't. And the heart rate is the last thing to change. Your baby's movements are an earlier warning sign that something is off. And I like to think of it this way. If you're using the Doppler and you get a good heart rate and you know the movements have changed and you don't go in, that's like watching a car drive by at full speed and not, you're just, disregarding how much gas is left in the tank. When you're only paying attention to the heart rate, you're only watching the speed, um, you're disregarding the movements. It's like the movements tell you more. Um, and many stillbirth mothers, myself included, had appointments on the day our babies died or the day before where the heart rate was perfect. So it's not a good indicator of your baby's well-being. Um, it's better to go by the movements and then go in and see your healthcare provider. Well, not to mention the device itself, like I don't know about anybody else, but I could never get like an actual good heartbeat of my own baby and I'm not a doctor. So anybody using that to tell themselves like, oh, okay, baby's fine. There's a heartbeat like that. You may be reading your own heartbeat. Like you don't know what you're doing with that. So I would not count on that at all. Um, Elizabeth, do you have anything to add? Um, I, I could talk for hours on this, hours and hours and hours, but I won't. I think what Erica said is absolutely right that everyone has a heartbeat until the moment that they pass away and if you are waiting and if you can't find the heartbeat it's too late the baby cannot be saved but the important thing with movement is there is that window of opportunity there is a time that you can go in get seen and something can be done and dopplers are another way that might delay that treatment you might be reassured completely you should go oh no the baby's got a perfectly fine healthy heartbeat so it must be okay no, we always say if you see someone collapsed in the street, you don't just check that they've got a pulse and then walk on. You would stop and help them or you might call an ambulance or you would do something. You wouldn't just check they still had a pulse and then leave them. And it's the same with your baby. Just because your baby has a heartbeat, even if it's a perfectly normal, perfectly healthy heartbeat, that doesn't mean that the baby is OK. It just means it's alive at that minute. And everything can change um, in five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour. You know, at some point, a heartbeat will stop. And if you just happen to have listened to it the two seconds before, you can be falsely reassured. Anything to do with um, scans, heartbeats, anything like that, they're only really good for that time that you are actively having it done. So no, no, do not like Doppler's. Right. don't think they should be available to anybody. I think they should be um, 
just for the medical professionals and even the medical professionals don't just rely on the heartbeat as an indicator so if you've worried about anything get checked go in do not reach for a doppler mm-hmm. yeah so nobody buy anyone one of those anymore no. <laughs> no, no no everyone tell everybody don't use it trust yourself so the important thing too there i want to just give a big old wives tale myth out about babies running out of room towards the end of pregnancy is that normal i know that a lot of people will tell you that to calm you down like oh i'm not feeling you know my baby the same as i normally did uh, and then someone will jump in even in comments on instagram wherever i am if i'm trying to educate people will still say this like oh that's normal my baby did that at the end or this is what happens in pregnancy so what do you guys think about that myth well Baby's it's out of room it's exactly that a complete myth and the example i always like to give is the um can't remember her name the octo mum in the us who managed to carry eight babies in her womb so the fact that your womb has a certain size that it can reach is so you know you've got people who have twins triplets quadruplets octuplets the womb is will expand to fit the baby so this idea that they're going to run out of room it's not like they're in a cage that they they've got a set amount of room no they will not run out of room they are not saving their energy because they're getting ready to be born that's another one that we get oh yeah no that's that's perfectly normal and the thing i hate about the myth or any of these things when people say oh but my baby slowed down and they were fine yes because not every single case is going to result in a stillbirth if it did that would be absolutely the easiest way to suddenly prevent everything because it would just be a definite thing what it is is an indicator it's a sign that your baby could be in distress and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are it means there's a risk and so that's why you want to get checked out to make sure your baby isn't one of the few that are at risk and this idea that well you know people have survived plane crashes people have fallen off buildings people have survived all sorts of things it doesn't mean that that is a safe thing to do so when people say oh no my baby slowed down and they were born fine it doesn't mean that that's a good thing it's it was actually someone in america who said to me you can run across a highway blindfolded and survive but it doesn't mean it's a good idea so you go yes exactly you can just because somebody else has said it happened to them and it was fine please don't think that means that you should I mean, it's obviously it. it's a survivor's bias you know we can yeah. all say oh i i did this with my pregnancy and it, it was fine and it's like yeah, yeah. your baby survived that situation and you know we don't even know if yours was one of those we call a near miss situations where yeah. you literally got your baby out in time and think you know as Erica said before, all of this is evidence-based. It's not based on one person's story. This is based on lots and lots of research. This is showing and proving that this is a risk factor. And by thinking that one person's case can eradicate all of that research and all of that evidence is just not good. Yeah, I would say to any family member, friend listening, who hears a pregnant person, a mom complain about, you know, fetal movement, 
I know it's human nature to want to like fix things and make things better and reassure people, but you're really not helping when you say, oh, my baby slowed down and he was fine or, you know, babies run out of room. All you're doing is delaying this person or preventing them from seeking care. And if anyone is actually speaking up about it, it's because they feel concerned. So encourage them to go in um, because babies do not run out of room and they don't slow down. Babies should move up to and during labor if they are healthy and fine. Yeah, I feel like I'm actually always irritated online because of that, because of so many people trying to say, no, 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 that's not true. And that's not, that's not how it was for me. So like, please stop saying that. It's great that your situation worked out and you can share your birth story all you want, but do not say it's normal. Do not say this is okay for everyone. And I think there is a big problem with people glamorizing certain type of births and situations where they might be actually higher risk for a stillbirth or for maternal mortality. You know, you're doing things that might be risky. And that's great if it worked out for you, but please don't start saying that, yeah, because my birth was okay, that everyone should go and do this and not even mentioning that you're aware of your risk that you took on, you know, that you had your team all on board explaining to you what the risks were and, you know, what you could possibly do differently in the delivery process and all that, because I do see a lot of glamorization online of, you know, very more natural births, births at home, you know, not having doctors involved and all that. And I just, I just want to say that, like, you know, I, I feel really happy for you, but I also feel very frustrated when people share that type of post, because I, I want everyone to know that, you know, just because it's safe for one person doesn't mean for everyone. And I like that you pointed that out, Elizabeth, that this is evidence-based. So many mm -hmm. stillbirths are like by research, um, noticing that the fetal movement change happened before the loss. So when people think of stillbirth, I think they think it's not something preventable. It just happens. We don't know why, all that stuff. Maybe there's something wrong with the baby or the mother, but you know, it's a very low percentage that is actually genetically caused. And so there are babies that can be saved. That's why we're fighting to end preventable stillbirth with our other organization, Push for Empowered Pregnancy. Um, so I just want everyone to know that when we talk about stillbirth, we're not trying to scare you. We're trying to make you aware of it because then you'll be more alert. You know, you have to wake mm -hmm. up to the fact that there is a risk. Like you wouldn't just let your child as now that they're born, you know, go walking across the street alone because you realize there's a risk. There might be a car coming. So we need you to know about this car, you know, that may not hit you, you know, but it hit us. And it's like the shock of our life because we were perfect you know, normal pregnancy, nobody warned us about it, and then it happened. So the last thing is, you should not be kick counting, you know, last minute, I don't know if there's any more tips we want to throw in at the end, because we want to keep it short. So this is shareable, please share it to everybody. We just want to erase misinformation, we will be doing that with an online program we're doing soon, it's called the internet scrub. <laughs> we're doing a little behind the scenes trying to make sure all the websites that you end up going to are going to have proper fetal movement education. So look out for that hopefully very soon. Uh, when you Google, you'll get the correct information, but you know, more importantly, just get to know your baby's normal, talk to your provider about this, ask them questions, ask them how you know, they would react to you saying something is different, you know, make sure that they're prepared on their end and hopefully it'll help you have a safer, happier final outcome. Anything you guys wanna add? 
I just want to add that um, all pregnant people should pay attention to their baby's movements, not just high risk, because unfortunately, many of us did not know we were high risk until our babies died. So please, everyone do this. Start at 28 weeks or 26 if you know you're high risk. And even if your baby's always active, please do it. Get to know your baby's normal. It's a great way to bond and it will help you have um, the best outcome possible. I love my bracelet. <laughs> I, I'm glad he said that because that's actually a myth as well that only the high risk pregnancies uh, need to be doing this. And I was going to put that in there, but you, you put it in just in time because we want to close out soon. So thank you, Erica. That's so important because I do think the high risk pregnancies get all the attention. And, you know, sadly, low risk pregnancies actually have a higher rate of stillbirth. And there's no other reason to me other than obviously a different level of care and also not being even educated on fetal movement at all. No one's talking to you about it because they're not worried about you. They're thinking your baby's fine. You look great. You know, and my situation, I already had a child. They just kind of assume like, oh, she must know what she's doing. Let's just check her this and that the heartbeat and the baby and okay out the door, you know, and not enough information discussion about this really important topic. So thank you, Erica. Elizabeth, final thoughts. I think we've covered it all brilliantly. Get to know your baby's movements and report any change. Yeah, that's all you want them to know, right? Know yeah. your normal, know your baby, go right in. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Thank you guys all for watching. I appreciate you guys always checking in here at Sacred Birth Circle. We're trying to just empower you with all the information you need. We don't want to you know, hide anything from you. I know some accounts will do that just to kind of promote a certain way of thinking and making you feel calm and at ease but i think you'll feel more calm if you know what's going on and you're able to fight for your baby so thank you ladies for joining me and raising this awareness it's so important and i think it'll continue to improve outcomes for sure because as we see it in both of your programs you're saving so many babies so thank you for all you guys are doing it's really impressive and you know, such an honor. And I love seeing the baby safe stories on my page and on your guys's page all the time, because it makes me so happy to see that parents were able to bring a baby home safely. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye. We hope Erica and Elizabeth helped clear up some of the misinformation you might have had about fetal movement. Please make sure that you're getting to know your baby's normal and always advocate for them if you notice a change. Remember to share this episode on social media so you can help others in your circle grow their knowledge and have a better birth outcome. Remember that all the posts that we share and our episodes are not meant to be medical advice. We are simply trying to help you and inform you as you continue your pregnancy, but always remember that you should consult your provider if you have any questions or concerns. They're there to help you and they are available to you 24 seven even if you have to go into the hospital at ER. Again, follow us on social media to continue up to date with our next episodes and our posts. And feel free to connect with us in the DMs. If you have any questions, we would be happy to be there for you. You are not alone. This is your community. And we hope that you will continue to watch our future and past episodes to continue to add to your knowledge as we interview birth workers, providers, researchers, and even people who have experienced different births so that when you get to your birth, you'll be a little bit more informed and prepared for whatever comes your way. Goodbye for now.